Our text this morning is a continuation from the Christmas text in Luke chapter 2, but starting with verse 22. We fast forward a little bit from the birth. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory for your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, And then as a widow, until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned unto Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew. And became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Today we wrap up this season of promise that we've been walking through for the last, uh, well, the season of Advent and Christmas. We've talked about the promise that comes with the arrival of Jesus, the promise of preparation, getting ready, the promise of witness when you share what it is that you have seen and heard, the promise of life, the promise of joy that comes with the birth of Christ, the promise of Emmanuel. God who is with us. And today we talk about the promise of salvation. Now this man named named Simeon, he received this incredible promise from God. Just a lay person, a regular Joe, just a part of Israel who's been waiting and waiting and waiting for the promised Messiah to come. And, And God gives him this revelation. You, Simeon, will not die before you see the Messiah face to face. It's an amazing promise, right? And in, 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 in Simeon's mind, as soon as he hears this promise, he's thinking, God's great promise to fulfill, the, the, the promise to send a Messiah will be fulfilled in my own timeline. Like the equivalent for that would be for us, for God to come to us and say, you will not die before Jesus comes back again. Like that would be amazing. I would wake up every single day wondering, is today the day? 
For Simeon, that day came, and he's moved by the Spirit to go into the temple to see his Savior face to face. An amazing, amazing event, the pinnacle of his existence. Now, next week, we begin a brand new sermon series called Discover the Heart of God. And the season of Epiphany that follows right after the season of Advent and Christmas, the season of Epiphany is all about God revealing himself to us. How do we know God through the person and work, the actions, the life, the love of Jesus Christ as God reveals himself to us? And ultimately, that's revealed in transfiguration when Jesus shines just brightly with all the glory of God, revealing to his people who he truly is. And so I'm really, really excited as we get ready for the next sermon series, Discovering the Heart of God, because I can't wait to share with you who He is and how He loves you. And this promise that we have today of a promise fulfilled, that Simeon, you will see God face to face. But for whatever time that it was that God told Simeon, we don't know the length of time between the promise and the fulfillment, but there was time, right? And in that time, he's just waiting. Have you ever waited on God? Has his timing ever not quite been as fast as your desired timing? For me, that's definitely been the case. I've, I've often wanted something faster than God was delivering it. It's that, that, uh, that prayer, God grant me patience. It's a very, very dangerous prayer to pray, right? Because he'll give you an opportunity to learn patience. And, and some people today are in the midst of that wait, of waiting for the good to happen. And God's timing is not, is not slow, it's perfect. God's perfect timing always happens in the right place, in the right time, and that's exactly what happens in our text today. It starts with the word now. Now. Now is the moment that Simeon holds God in his hands, right? This is the the climax of his life that no other point in his life could ever come close. This was the moment in his life that was the most treasured, the most intimate with God, And maybe you've had one of those kinds of moments before. Maybe you've had a now moment with God before where where life just kind of simplified and everything was just right. I'm not talking all the circumstances in your life becoming just right and everything being easy, but everything being good and right and now. I had one such moment of those now kind of moment experience with God, and it was early in my recovery, and it wasn't because circumstances were fantastic in my life. In fact, the circumstances in my life weren't their worst, but my relationship with my God was at its best because my relationship with God was right. And I knew in that moment that I had everything that I needed, not everything I wanted, but everything that I needed, and it was now. I pray that if you've not yet encountered that now moment with God, that you would sometime. Maybe this year is that year for you to encounter that now moment, that moment where you're just like, I am am in 100%, God. 
I trust you. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I, don't, I can't explain what's going on or why things are happening the way they are, and it's less than ideal, but I get you. I understand you. I trust you. Amen. We have three promises in this text that God is faithful to keep. We hear two of them from Simeon, from the voice of Simeon. We hear the third from the prophetess Anna, that God, he is so, so faithful. He is faithful to console. He is faithful to save. And he is faithful to redeem. So we'll start with that first one, faithful to console. Right? Now, the coming of the Messiah, the time when Jesus was, was promised to be born, was going to be this time where Israel was suffering. Israel was struggling. Israel was not the glory that it wanted to be. It was a time of difficulty. And so in a time of difficulty, just like when we encounter times of difficulty, you ache and groan and wait for the Lord to be faithful to His promise. And Israel was groaning and struggling right before the Messiah came. And maybe when you've been in seasons of struggle and groaning and, and, and difficulty, well, sometimes we like to take matters into our own hands, don't we? Like if we're waiting on God to provide what we need when we need it, and we're waiting and waiting and waiting, and He's not following through, maybe, maybe those are the times where you just you take matters into your own hands. And, and there's some decent things, some good things that we can do in our life to, to help make, and make our situation better. Maybe you've, you, you work extra hard at work to provide uh, financial security or the next promotion or, or something else so that you can provide and care for your household or or you relationally, you connect and you engage more with the right people in the right times to help promote your well-being or whatever the case may be. Sometimes we take the negative route through taking matters into our own hands and we self-medicate just to make ourselves feel better, to escape the pain and escape the reality. That's not the kind of consolation that God promises to bring. There's some athletes in the room today. I am not one of them. Uh, I did do sports from time to time, and, and uh, at the end of the season, there was always the tournament, and there was, there was like the winner's bracket, and then there was my bracket, <laughs> right? The consolation bracket. If you are a loser, you play in the consolation bracket, uh, and, and there's very little hope of ever getting back up into the winner's bracket. You're just, you're, it's consoling. It's like, there, there, Tig. There'll be another day. Well, sometimes it's easy to feel like we are in the loser's bracket of life, of whatever may happen, that the, the hand that's dealt you, the, the circumstances you find yourself in. There's people today who feel like right now you are in the loser's bracket, the consolation bracket. They call it the consolation bracket because they want you to feel better. Well, God knows those of you who are in the consolation bracket of life, and He desires to bring you today good news of great joy, that this is not as good as it gets. There is more. There is better coming. Wait on God. Wait on His good timing, because good is coming. Consolation. Consolation. 
We, we've, we hear Simeon waiting for the consolation of his people in Israel, and we, we hear Simeon waiting for the salvation that comes from God. Salvation is this it's a word that I think we throw around in churches that gets oversimplified and, and underused. But sometimes we look at the word salvation and we just think about simplistically going to heaven when we die. And if you just think about going to heaven when we die, perhaps that doesn't sound all that attractive. Like there's, there's people that have gone through our confirmation classes and they, they ask me, they're like, Pastor Tig, I just, I just don't know. I'm not looking forward to that. That sounds boring. Like go to heaven when we die. That's like, I don't get that. But it's because that's such a limited view of what salvation really means. Salvation is to rescue and save because our fate is that of death. The wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. If God were to truly deal with us as we deserve, that's what we would get. Death. Total, complete separation from God forever. But God sends a rescue mission through his son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sin, to save us from the fate that we deserve. But this is, this is the really cool part to me about the word salvation, because it does not just mean you get to go to heaven when you die. It's not just a get out of hell free card. What salvation is, is that God, when he returns, will put everything right. Think about all that's broken in your life, all that is not the way that you would have it be, all that is wrong, all the wrongs that you've done and all of the consequences of those mistakes that have built up in your life, all of the wrongs that have been done to you by no fault of your own and the consequences that have spilled into your life as a result of that too. God takes all of those as a part of salvation. God takes all of those wrong things and he makes them right. All of the evil in your life, in your world, not just removed, but repaired. And not just for a brief time, but for eternity. Think of all that was wrong being reversed. That's salvation. That's what Simeon's been waiting for. That's what all of us are waiting for. That, that we have this promise and this joy that knowing that we are saved today, but as good as today can be, tomorrow will be even better. And I'm not just saying 24 hours from now, tomorrow. I'm talking about the tomorrow when Jesus comes back. The salvation that is already mine, the promise that is already mine, that I just need to wait just a little bit more time for. I don't know how long, maybe, maybe this afternoon. That would be phenomenal. If Jesus were to come back tomorrow to this afternoon, if tomorrow was this afternoon, I'm ready to go. My bags are packed, baby. I've got my go bag. Let's go. As if you could take anything with you. can't take anything with you. I'm ready. Because I can't wait for God to reverse all of my wrong and make it good. That's salvation. That's what Simeon's waiting for. And then, and then Simeon gets this moment, and the Spirit prompts him, right? Because I, I want to talk not just about the, the good things that, that, that God promises, but how can we wait for those things? So God makes these promises to fulfill, and he, he makes this promise to console. He makes this promise to save, and then he makes this promise that we hear through the prophetess Anna to redeem 
Now, to redeem is like this purchasing back, like you belong to someone else other than God. Because of your sin, you belong to the enemy. You are his. But God, being the one who created you, who longed to have you in his presence, is not okay with that. And so he buys you back from the enemy, not with gold or silver, but with his own body and blood, his own life, he trades for yours so that you can be with him forever. He has redeemed you. He has bought you back. You are now his. You are not your own. You're bought at a price. You belong to Jesus. Now, these three promises, consolation, salvation, and redemption, these are the promises that both Simeon and Anna are waiting for. So how do you wait? How do you wait on God for those three things? We get great examples by both Anna and Simeon. Here's Simeon's example. Simeon, we don't know what he's doing. He's just doing regular everyday life. Simeon is a lay person. Simeon is just a regular Joe. He is given this promise that you will not close your eyes in death before you see Jesus face to face. And he's moved in the spirit one day. Have you ever been moved in the spirit where God just says, I want you to go this place. I want you to go talk to that person. I want you to, and Simeon hears this and goes. Today's the day, Simeon. Go to the temple. You're going to see Mary and Joseph and this baby Jesus, who is the Messiah. And he's just filled with excitement. And he rushes into the temple and he sees, he sees Mary and Joseph and the baby. And he rushes up and he holds Jesus in his hands. Like some of you who are pregnant mothers, I've never personally had this experience. Some of you who are pregnant mothers have had like the people, just random strangers, like feel like they have authority to touch you on your tummy. Right? You just, not asking, just, I want to touch your tummy because that's okay. I don't know why that's okay. It should not be okay. But Simeon, in a similar fashion, he just goes and he takes Jesus and he holds Jesus in his hands. Like any of you would ever just let a stranger come just grab your child. Maybe sometimes you would want a stranger to grab your child. <laughs> not in this case. But Simeon grabs Jesus and holds him, and, he, and he, he, he says these incredible words. Lord, let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My eyes have seen your salvation. If we were to put that in today's vernacular, I can die and go to heaven and be happy. Now, liturgically, we use this phrase that Simeon says. It's called the nuc dimittis. It's, that's the Latin for the first couple of words in what he says. But it's this, this piece that we have in our liturgy that as we receive the Lord's Supper, after we receive it, we say, after we've held Jesus in our hands and we've ingested him, taken him into ourselves, Lord, let me, let your servant now go from this place in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. I have seen your salvation. Simeon gives us this picture of how to wait on God for his own time. He listens to the Spirit's prompting and he goes. And after he goes and he listens to the Spirit's prompting, he, he, does, he does two things. He blesses God and he shares a blessing with Mary. 
He blesses God and he blesses others. Now, this word for blessing is not, uh, this, is a, this is the same English word, but the different Greek word. In the Beatitudes, when, when Jesus is doing the Sermon on the Mountain, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the meek, right? These are, these are, this is a type of blessing that God gives somebody something that they need, something good, something valuable, something that's a treasure. When this particular word, though, for blessing is different, this particular word for blessing is a good word. Right, I am saying something good about God. And Simeon blesses God. Lord, you can let me depart in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. God, you are faithful. You keep every single promise you make. And then he blesses Mary. But the blessing that he gives Mary, it's like, okay, come on, Simeon. Part of it was like really, really good, and other parts were kind of dark. Because he gives Mary two dark blessings, two dark difficult things to hear. First, he says, your son, this child, this baby is going to be responsible for the falling and the rising of many people in Israel. And you can kind of, Joseph's like scratching his head like, I don't like that one. And then he says, Mary, you are going to suffer incredible pain. He says, there will be like a sword cutting into your heart. And he's not talking the Greek word for a little tiny sword, but he's talking about the the, the Greek word for a gigantic, massive sword. It's going to pierce your soul, Mary. And Joseph's like, I definitely don't like that one. What's he talking about? This word that that, that Simeon is sharing is this, this baby will be responsible for the falling and the rising. That can mean two different things. One, one group of commentators think that what this is talking about is unless you make yourself humble, unless you get rid of all the pride, unless you, unless you make yourself low, that's when God can rise you up. The falling and the rising. It's an interesting order because if we were to say something, we'd say the rise and fall. Right? But Simeon says the falling and the rising. So the thought is, well, if you make yourself humble, that's when God will lift you up. Another viewpoint is this, that he's talking about two different groups of people, that those who are made low, those who come to faith in Jesus Christ, those are the ones who are saved. And those who put themselves up on a pedestal, like the Pharisees, those are the ones that will be rejected by God. And the actuality is there's probably because Scripture loves to do this and, and use words that mean multiple things at the same time, probably means a combination of both of those two. And then, of course, when he's talking about the pain that Mary will experience is the crucifixion. Where as painful as it is for Jesus, for Mary, and watching her son innocently suffer and die, the excruciating pain. Now, just as a quick reminder, the reading today is from Luke's gospel, right? And Luke's gospel, Luke wrote his gospel after interviewing tons of people who had interacted with Jesus. And so more than likely, if you take a look at this this interview that Luke has had with people is after Simeon's probably dead, after Anna's probably dead, Joseph, we haven't heard from Joseph in a long time, so he's assumed to be dead. The only person who is living who would be in this situation was Mary. And so Mary is having this interview with Luke as Luke is recording and preparing to, to draft his gospel. He's interviewing Mary, Mary who was at the foot of Jesus' cross, Mary who watched her son die for the sins of the world, Mary who is now remembering those words 
of Simeon. My eyes have seen your salvation. Remembering the blessing that Simeon told her that her heart would be wounded. See, that's a piece of consolation. And when you find yourself in the loser's bracket of life, sometimes, depending on the tournament, you can fight and claw your way back and and play against the winner of the winner's bracket. But usually it's just uh, you get to be like fourth place or fifth place. You're still a loser. But with the consolation of Jesus, what he does is he is victorious. He's the winner. And he shares the victory with you. And his salvation is to reach into the consolation bracket of life and pull you up out of it and set you with him. To set you with himself as the, as the savior, as the redeemer, as the one who's brought you up and out. And sometimes healing hurts. Growing up, my dad, uh, he, he loved to, uh, to use medicine that just hurt a lot. Like you get a scrape or a cut and I'd, I'd just hide it. I didn't want my dad to see because he would pull out stuff like isopropyl alcohol. Oh boy. Or... Or if he was feeling really ornery that day, he'd pull out what we called the red stuff. The red stuff was iodine, which I'm convinced comes from the holy fires of hell. Oh my goodness, that stuff burned. Anybody out there ever put iodine on a scrape? Ooh, man, I don't know how you're still living. <laughs> and, and this was my dad's philosophy. You know what's working if it hurts. I'm like, Dad, let me introduce you to hydrogen peroxide. It lets you know it's working by the bubbles. Bubbles is way better than tears. But you know it's working when it hurts. You know, the salvation, the healing that we have, sometimes, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it hurts. You know, if, you, if you've gone through major life issues and you've taken... You've taken the time to go and get healing and therapy. You know that's not a pleasant experience all the time. It hurts as you deal with things from the past and the pains and the problems and you find resolution. Sometimes it hurts before it gets better. You know, that's the, the whole process of, of confession and absolution, right? To repent, it, 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 it's hurtful sometimes to have to bring up and be honest, to be brutally honest with our failings and our shortcomings. But you have to do that before God applies the healing, thankfully more like hydrogen peroxide than iodine, the healing that comes through Christ because Christ does the hurting for us. Christ did the pain on our place. And we know our forgiveness is working because of the pain that he has experienced. And that's the consolation. So we wait. Anna gives us a really good picture of waiting on God as well. Anna, who's a prophetess, she's a professional church worker. She's been living and working, praying and fasting in the temple all the time. And she's a widow. You know, she, she married when she was very, very young. Her husband died when she was very, very young, and she remained a widow for decades, serving God in the church, praying, fasting, giving thanks all the time. What an amazing picture that we have for waiting on God. 
worship. I don't know what worship is, is like for, for y'all. When I was growing up, middle school, high school even, uh, we had bulletins, they'd print out the order of service, and I'd do like a like check mark, like, whew, made it through the invocation. Good thing that was a short one. Check. Confession absolution. Nailed it. Done. Who sermon. That one's going to take a while. Like, well, when the sermon was done, I was like, maybe that's how you feel. Like, woohoo, sermon's done. Moving on. We are, we are like a home stretch, baby. We can get out of here. Um, but worship, and not just going through the motions, not just checking the boxes, but being in a place of worship where you let the, the worship music just wash over you and open up your heart, right, to just, to just tear out the, the calluses that you've built up from that week just to open up your heart and go, God, my, my heart is open and vulnerable to, to what you have to say today. To be able to hear God's word and just and cherish it, relish it, savor it. To encounter confession and absolution and just feel the release and the relief of the forgiveness and life that God pours out on you. To receive the sacraments, his body and blood, and know that God is with you. With a forgiveness and salvation so real you can taste it. To wait on God. Anna worshiped day and night. She prayed with fasting. Now, fasting, that is not, that is like my least favorite spiritual discipline. I do not like it. But it has a purpose and it has a point. And it's to focus you on God. And Anna prayed and prayed and prayed. And I'm not sure what your prayer life is like this this season of your life, but the prayer doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be like the, like the professional church workers. In fact, it shouldn't be. It should be more like the tax collectors, the sinners, just a, a real ongoing conversation with God. It doesn't have to have any formality or any magic special words or combination of words, but just a conversation with God of this is where I am. This is my need. I praise you. Thank you. And Anna waited on God with worship, and she waited on God with prayer and fasting, and she waited on God with thanks. She praised God. To give thanks in all circumstances, regardless of what season you're in, regardless of the circumstances in your life, to be able to be at a place where you thank God, because I know, God, you are faithful. You have promises to console, to save, to redeem I cherish that salvation, God. Because of that salvation, move me to be faithful this year. To worship you. To spend time in prayer. To be grateful. Wait on God. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we praise you for being a God who is so incredibly faithful. And waiting, Lord, sometimes is really difficult. So pour out on us reminders of your great faithfulness that you always come through in the right place, in the right time, not in our timing, but in your perfect timing. Help us wait well, Lord, with worship and prayer and gratitude. In our time of waiting, Lord, let us speak good of you. Let us speak your truth to those around us. We pray this all in Jesus' powerful and holy name. Amen. Now, as we consider um, these words, I want you to have this statement.
that you carry with you today. Use this as a conversation starter as you go throughout your day, throughout your, throughout your week, uh, whether that's at home, over lunch, or, or with your coworkers, or people at church or school. But just have this on your lips to think about this. How will God's promise of salvation influence your faithfulness in 2024? That's weird to say. 2024. How will God's promise of salvation impact your faithfulness? To remember, to think about the promises that God has poured out, how does that impact how you live your life? And it's my prayer that it would involve more worship and more prayer and more gratitude, that you would, that you would grow in your relationship with God this year.